Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in as we begin 2019. We're going to look at our word for the year, which is manifestation. I hope this podcast and this message specifically speaks to you. I hope you're encouraged, and I hope you do something great for the things of God. Enjoy. last week. 2019 is going to be a year of manifestation. You're going to hear me read this for several weeks. A year of demonstrating performing ways that require you to credit me with doing the impossible. How many of you like it when God does the impossible? 2019 is a year where you will, where you will grow in my word and bow in hearing my voice. I'm going to cause dry bones to come alive, waters to part, the sun to stand still, and walls to fall down. I specialize in the impossible. I'm not going to simply hand this to you, but you're going to have to travail in prayer and stand firm in faith. Know that I am and will do what I promise. I do this as a demonstration to your community, and I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. That's taken from Ezekiel 37, 14. When you know that I am the Lord, you will discover a love for me and you will find my commandments a delight. Hmm. Manifestation defined by Webster, a public demonstration of power and purpose. A public demonstration of power and purpose. And as I continue really in this vein of the presence of God. As we continue in our place of worship today. Is that computer working? Sweet. I want to talk today in a form of manifestation about sons or servants. Sons or servants. Romans 8, verse 19, in the New King James Version, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. This is a tough verse to interpret because that word creation could be creatures. When you dive into it, we go back to simply the word creation, but then this revealing of the sons of God becomes an even greater thing. So I want to look at the Passion Translation. I didn't type it out and put it in my notes today. I thought it would be fine to just read it directly from this. Listen to these words. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. Yearning to see the unveiling of God's glory. I'm sorry, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. I like the footnotes of the Passion Translation because he begins, the, off, the, the translator takes this and he begins to give us 
his insight as to how he comes up with what he's talking about here. And I, I really brought this in here for the purpose of his insights here. And he says this in regards to using words like tiptoe or glorious. The Greek word for tiptoe here means intense anticipation or anxious anticipation what is about to happen with an outstretched neck. So he uses the word tiptoe. I outstretch my neck, it forces me onto my toes. Now this word dealing with God's, the unveiling of God's glorious sons or daughters, he says, or the manifestation of the sons of God, the King James Version uses the word manifestation. Interestingly, the Greek word used for unveiling, apocalypsis, is the same word for the title of the last book of the Bible. The revelation or unveiling of Jesus Christ. The created universe is but the backdrop for the dramatic appearing of God's sons and daughters, unveiling with glory of Jesus Christ upon them. The verb tense in the Greek text is clearly that this unveiling is imminent. It's soon to happen and designed to take place. Christ's glory will come to us, enter us, fill us, envelop us, and then be revealed through us as partakers of the glory. Although God will not share His glory with any other, we are no longer another. For we are one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through faith in Christ. Did you catch that? I like this because the idea in creation waiting for the revealing of sons and daughters is centered around its imminent. And I would like to say that in where we're sitting today and in the presence of God that we've encountered today and where God is taking us today, that could it be that 2019 is the year that sons and daughters rise up? Is it in today that we become known? And is it today that we share in His glory as sons and daughters? So I want to take just a few moments today and talk about what it means. And when I say a son, I'm really talking about an heir, a daughter, a son, somebody that is in relationship by blood or adoption with Christ Jesus as brothers or sisters. The author of Hebrews talks about a little bit of a comparison of a servant versus a son. We've got to get a picture of this because we often think of ourselves as servants. I'm brother, I'm just here to serve. When really, if I'm just here to serve as a hireling, I don't understand my position within the kingdom of God. But as a son, it doesn't mean my place and what I do within this place is diminished. It means that actually I step up to a greater place and how I work within the body of Christ. But there's a comparison of a servant versus a son that the Hebrews author talks about in chapter 3 in just a few verses, in verses 1 through 6. And he says, Therefore, my brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of confession. Who is faithful, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses, who was 
faithful in all of God's house. So right now we've got the introduction of two main characters in this passage of Scripture. We've got Jesus and we've got Moses. So we're going to do a short comparison within this Scripture between Moses and Jesus as one being a servant and the other being a son. Can we guess who's who in the story today? Well, of course, we'll read about that as we move on, but I hope it would be obvious for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful. Look at this word, in. If you write in your Bible or have a way to take notes, you might circle that. In all of God's house as a what? Servant. To do what? To testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a what? Son. We are His house if indeed we hold fast our confession and our boasting and our hope. There's a big difference between between being something like Moses who was in God's house. He was part of God's house and Jesus who was over God's house. There's a positional place or an authoritative place difference between the two a servant might be able to step in and have some authority but a son is in outright authority in which no one but the father oversees what they do they have complete authority over something where a servant has authority in does you see the difference there so the first thing that we see here is a servant serves in A son has authority over. Think about that in work, in our businesses, where we work or if we own a business. And I know I'm talking about two different people presented in this room today. If we work for something, someone, we work in that job. But if we own a business, we have authority over that business. Do you also see a difference there? Okay, moving on, I want to look at Romans again, chapter 8. We Our theme scripture for this week was found in verse 19, of course, uh, that all of creation wakes with earnest expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. But just before that, just two verses before, and then backing up a couple more verses, 15, 16, and 17 in Romans 8, it says, For did you not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear? I'm not interested in falling back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons for whom we cry, Abba, Father. Fitting that we ended with that song, Abba, I belong to you. The spirit in verse 16 himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Or some translation says joint heirs with Christ, provided this, we suffer with Him in order that we what? Also may be glorified with Him. We share in His suffering, but we also share in His glory. See, if we are in Christ, we're part of His body. I'm here to tell you today that we are also, according to this scripture, sons or daughters. 
want to make it clear today who I'm talking about. And I want by the end of this message today for you to be clear how you respond as one or the other. There's another story that we can read in Scripture about a couple of sons and the response that happens in the tail end of the story. And that's the story of the prodigal son. Of course, we sang a little bit about that and the tail end of that. And I'll read the whole story to us today in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, just a few verses, 11 through 32. And I want you to see the picture of how sons are treated. Whether they fall out, whether they mess up or not, I want you to see the picture of how sons are treated. And he said, Jesus speaking here, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said this, Father, give me the share of the property that's come in me. And he divided his property between them. Later on, we'll read that the them doesn't quite get it. One takes and goes, the other stays behind. And the one that stays behind doesn't realize that he was also divided his property. In verse 13, not many days later, the young son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to the citizens of the country and he sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And there he was longing to be fed with the pods that the the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? Let's pause for a moment. You realize this is a son and he has left only to be acting as a servant in a land that is not his own. To find himself in Need so much that even the pigs are eating better than himself. He's found himself in a position, in a posture in which there is nothing coming his way. There is no benefit bestowed upon him. And he thinks even the servants in my father's home have enough bread. But here I am, I'm perishing, I'm dying of hunger. Verse 18, I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive. And he he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, His older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called out to one of the servants, and he asked, What things, what are these things meant? And he said to him, Your brother has come, your father has killed the fattened calf, and behold, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out, and he entreated him. He answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your commandment, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came 
who has devoured your property with prostitutes and killed your fattened calf, and you killed your fattened calf for him? Verse 31 is key here. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. I'd venture to say in this very moment, this son was not living in the benefits of sonship. He was not abiding as a son. He was not experiencing what it meant to truly be a son. Verse backing up to 29, he said, All these years I have served you. Nesver disobeyed your command. He didn't truly walk in his inheritance. Even though he was among it, he was living in the house of the Father. He was living in it. He was not over it. And it all could have been his, as we read in verse 31. Verse 32, he says, It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. So I'm going to take just a few more moments. I only have 14 points. They won't go too long. And I want to talk about, I want to do a comparison contrast here. The difference between sons and servants. And again, when we walk out of here today, I hope that we would not be like the son who didn't even realize who he was. But we would be really in a place of understanding as sons and daughters and we would step today into our inheritance and experience the manifestation of what it is to be sons. Number one, the difference between sons and servants. A son or sons build the house. Servants simply serve in the house. And, and I want us to take this into context of what we're doing here in this place. As a gathering, as a body of believers. A servant might just say, I'm just an usher. I'm just a, I just show up. I just come here and I worship God and I leave. But a son says, the church is God's house. I will ensure that every need of the people is met to the best of my ability. A servant says, that's not my job. A son says, someone needs to do it. Why not me? Number two, servants grasp for ministry. Sons wait to inherit the ministry from the father. What does that mean? It means a son is always, or I'm sorry, a servant is always trying to take something for themselves while a son waits for the opportunity. Now, I'm not talking about like waiting for their particular ministry to happen within the church. Like, I'm not called to do that, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is a son waits to be elevated, waits for God to do the, 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 um, the, the promotion. Thank you, babe. The son waits for God to promote them. I uh, recently heard a sermon where it was... Um, Rod Parsley, and he was, he was talking about a, a guy in his church that was getting ready to go do a church plant, 
And he says, people come to him all the time and say, I want to plant a church. And so he says, that's awesome. We'll help you. Come and sit. Come and sit on the front row. And he says, most people never get to go plant a church out of this place. Because after a couple of years, they get tired of waiting and they leave. He says, but this man has sat for five years waiting. And God has opened the door for him to go. And he wouldn't have been able to go from this place if he just didn't sit and wait. But while he was sitting and waiting, he was learning to hear the voice of God. He was learning what it meant to, to and I'm going to use the word serve, but I don't mean it out of context of, of sonship. He was learning what it meant to work, to, to be diligent, to, to, to do what it takes to plant a church. Because what he was doing was he was sitting and waiting. And had he gone too soon, he would have failed in what it was to do a church plant. I know there were opportunities for Vanessa and I to, to elevate ourselves and to go and make things happen. But we sat and we waited. And one day, even though we knew God was calling us, I don't know if you all know the story, but God called us to Miami, Oklahoma long before we, we uh, were allowed to be here. And, and we sat on it and we sat on it. And one day, Bill Rogers called me into his office and he said, Jeff, I believe you're supposed to go plant a church. And I believe that Miami, Oklahoma might be one of those places. I didn't go to him and say, I want to go to Miami. He came to me and said, we want to send you. Isn't that interesting? A son says someone needs to do it. I'm sorry, back up. A son says, or waits to inherit ministry from the father. Luke 16, 12 says, if you are not faithful in what belongs to another, who will give it to you? Who will give you your own? Sons are sent, servants just went. Think about that. Three, sons are family-oriented, servants are issue or ministry-oriented. What do I mean by that? Well, servants, they'll split the family over a disagreement or an issue. Servants will attempt to draw people to his or her side, while sons are interested in the father's agenda rather than doing his own thing. I often said, that in my pastor's office we can disagree, but outside of his office I was in complete agreement with him. Number four, sons are privilege-oriented, servants are rights-oriented. Sons release rights and receive them back as privileges. Servants jealously guard their rights. You tracking with me? Number five, I'll jog it through these quickly. Sons use language of the family. Servants or hirelings use individual terminology because they are ministry-oriented. Like this, sons say we, ours, us. Well, servants say me, mine, my, they. A son accepts an attack against another member of the house as an attack against himself and will rise up to defend while servants isolate the attack to another person and watch to see the outcome. Six, sons honor headship and cover the nakedness of their fathers. Servants or hirelings delight in exposing the nakedness of those over them in authority. Let me, let me show you an example of this in Genesis 9, chapters 18 through 27. After the flood, the ark is docked. The family, Noah and his family have come off. They've begun to establish a life. 
And in verse 18, it says, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began, or began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. You know what vineyards produce, right? Booze, right? No. So he drank of the wine, and he became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent. He was naked. Verse 22 says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and, he's told, and he told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment. Look at the picture. Envision this picture. And laid it on both sides of their shoulders, and they walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backwards, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed is Canaan, a servant of servants shall be, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. You see, Noah and his sons, because Noah, sorry, Noah and his sons, looking at them because Ham did not cover the nakedness of his father, but rather expose it. He was cursed to be a servant to, the, to his brothers. Servants use the weakness of leaders to promote themselves. God built, God both builds and guards his house with sons. I think of David in the Old Testament. He had multiple opportunities to kill Saul, but he waited for God to do it. There was a time when Saul was in a cave relieving himself, and David just came up behind him. He could have taken Saul's own spear and killed him. Now David at the moment took a knife and he cut some of the garment off of Saul's garment (laughs) and then he felt conviction over it he felt terrible because he wasn't going to take things into his own hands number seven sons naturally honor the chain of command servants of hirelings constantly question the chain of command for example sons honor the father's command out of deep love for the father servants simply love themselves Number eight, sons build on the vision of the father. Servants seek to build on their own vision with the house. I've seen this time and time again in in churches where a pastor was succeeded by somebody that wasn't a true son and they went in with their own agenda and the church did not succeed. But the vision of the father must happen for churches to succeed. We see this with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jesus, he even did the work of the will and the will of his father. Number nine, sons can reflect the heart of the father. Is it okay if I'm just kind of teachy today? Not real preachy? Sons reflect on the heart of the father. Servants can only relay information. Think about that. It's like sons can go into a room, and without the father having told them anything, they can speak on behalf of the father, the true heart of the father. A servant walks in, and they can only talk about what they've heard the father talk about. Think about that. Number ten, sons bond new people to family and the father. Servants bond new people to themselves. In a storm, you realize where people are bonded. In a storm, sons bail water while servants bail out. 
Number 11, sons focus on meetings, on meetings. Sorry, sons focus on meeting the needs of people. Servants and hirelings focus on their own appearance. For example, sons are secure in their relationship with the father and can focus on the needs of others within the house while servants are insecure and obtain their sense of significance and self-worth through how well they look and appear to others. Twelve, sons share how they really think, feel, and believe. Servants tell you only what they want you to know. Sons are transparent, open, and trusting. Sons can talk about heart issues. Servants can only discuss ministry issues. Number 13, sons receive the father's correction as an expression of the father's love and commitment to them and are willing to change. Servants are threatened by correction and receive it as rejection, placing the blame on someone else. Hebrews 12, 7 points this out. In verses 6 through 7, did I put that? Do I have that scripture in there? Okay. Hebrews 12, 6 through 7 talks about how the Lord disciplines his sons. He says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. For it is the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Sons are teachable and are growing into their full potential. Servants come into the house fully grown, unwilling to receive. You see, sons are ready to receive from the father. Servants cannot be taught much, but feel they should be doing the teaching. Hmm. Sons want to get things right. Servants just want to be right. Huh. Fifteen, wrapping this up. Sons serve the house with joy. Servants serve the house with a sense of duty. Sixteen, sons serve out of devotion. Servants serve out of obligation. And the last one here, sons are heirs. And remain in the house forever. Sons are always looking for a better place. And I'm sorry, servants are always looking for a better place and will not stay in the house forever. So I ask today, when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to this place. When it comes to Romans 8.19 and God revealing the sons of God. Who are we and what are we? Listen, it's, it's okay to recognize that maybe you are a servant. It's okay to realize that there's change that's necessary. I'm going to speak over the next few more weeks about the four... There'll probably be more. But the four ideas of... Let's see if I can get to page one. The four ideas of dry bones. Well, we already did dry bones. We're going to talk about waters parting, sun standing still, walls falling down. We're going to talk about the impossible. I don't know if we're going to do it in one or two weeks or four weeks or 18 weeks or all 52 weeks of the year. I'm going to be open and willing to listen. We're going to look at some things, and I want us to, I think the important aspect of addressing son versus servant is if God's going to do some or when God does some pretty significant things in this place. There's going to be opportunities for us to rise up and either receive the glory as servants or demonstrate His glory as sons. There's going to be an opportunity 
for us to arise and to build this place as sons or to run away from this in fear as servants. There's going to come an opportunity where we can declare the things of God as sons or we can miss the mark as servants. And this week the challenge for you all as we walk out of this place is to ask God to align your heart with His. To open your heart to Him. And allow you to truly be this people of adoption. Like Romans 8 verses 15, 16, and 17. Where we can cry out to Him as Abba, Father. Where when we sing, I belong to you, we truly do mean it. That they're not just words that are falling idly from our lips. But we can say, God, I am yours. Where we can say, I love this, that we can begin to speak confidently. Relaying the message that he has given us without him having to say, do this, do this, do this, do this, say this, say this, say this. We can just go in and be that message. I love one of the themes that we get from the School of Ministry in Atlanta. And it's just this very simple. And this is the true message of sonship. And it's this. Be the message. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts. But also in the area of support, if you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama.com. Dot com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I dot com and click on the give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.